It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's been a great week. Thanks so much for being here. Admiral Stavridis, the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, will be with us. Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor. Uh, you know him. Uh, he'll be with us shortly, too. And, uh, of course, you're going to be there. Uh, today, the Empire State Building will illuminate in red, white, and blue uh, for Fox's 25th anniversary. Isn't that pretty cool? Nice of New York, because I didn't know New York actually wanted us here. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The Biden administration could snap his fingers right now and release a bunch of information that would help us understand what's going on and how we got into this mess. And it seems like they don't want to do that because they don't want the problem of dealing with it politically and diplomatically. They don't want to throw progressives under the bus. They don't want to complicate U.S.-China relations. And they're doing that at the cost of our national security and our public health. Washington Post, Josh Rogan. No doubt about it. He knows the truth and he doesn't mind talking about it. China, President Biden is trying to engage with the belligerent power. But at what cost? Looking at the other way at concentration camps, spying and the origins of COVID? I think it's time for Plan B. Number two. I'm calling on more employers to act. My message is require your employees to get vaccinated. Vaccinations, we're going to beat this pandemic finally. Without them, we face damage to our economy and anxiety in our schools. Please, does he even mention that this virus has fallen off a cliff, that in Florida it's down 50% in most of the country? Mandate mania. President Biden has one tune. It's all about take the shot or get fired. That works for him, even if it means no work for you. Warning, the worst is yet to come and your kids are next. Number one. You look at where we're at today and where we were at a year ago. You mentioned gas prices. Gas prices are a dollar more a gallon. That means every American's paying 20 more dollars every time they fill up their tank. Uh, that is Reince Priebus, and that's a fact. He used to run the RNC, the economy for all sides, the shortages, inflation, and how infighting is costing us all. Is there one real leader in Washington? Hate to say it, but it's probably Joe Manchin. I mean, he's shown more leadership ability and, and demonstrated it than anybody else standing up to his own party. So just I don't want to get you caught up in something that's really not going to affect you, but you should know it. On the debt ceiling, evidently, we put this debt ceiling and say that if we go over the debt, we have to vote to raise the debt ceiling. OK, well, it turns out you need 60 votes to raise the debt ceiling. Mitch McConnell said over the summer, I'm not raising it. I know it's going to come up in the fall. I'm not raising it. And then at the last minute, he raised it for two months. And some people are upset by it. Here's Lindsey Graham, cut three. I don't understand why we're folding here at the end. This is a complete capitulation. I'm upset with us because we had a strategy to make them pay a price to raise the debt ceiling, and we blinked. And putting it in December is another train wreck we've got to deal with that probably empowers Schumer more than us. So I think this is overall a bad decision. I don't know. I understand that that hard stance. If you have a simple reconciliation, they will have to do it and be responsible for the debt going up. But you can make a strong argument the debt was run up, not just in one year, but for a lot of years. What I found abhorrent is Mitch McConnell made a tough decision. So I'm going to give it two more months. I'm trying to be responsible. They had no plan B. The other thing to keep in mind, well, I'll let you hear from Mitch. Cut to. The majority didn't have a plan to prevent default, so we stepped forward. The pathway our Democratic colleagues have accepted will spare the American people any near-term crisis 
while definitively resolving the majority's excuse that they lacked time to address the debt limit through the 304 reconciliation process. So nothing's more boring than hearing Mitch McConnell talk, but he's a powerful guy who doesn't blink. He doesn't get intimidated. You've seen that with Merrick Garland. You've seen it over and over again. But I don't blame him here, and here's why. Behind the scenes, Joe Manchin let him know he's under enormous pressure to get rid of the filibuster, pack the courts, and do all this other stuff. But uh, overcome the parliamentarian and put voting reform in the reconciliation package and uh, immigration reform in the reconciliation package, legalize 11 million people on a 60 party, a, on a 51 margin vote. All terrible for the country. All we ve- I vehemently disagree with. And breaking up, blowing up the system. So Mitch McConnell goes, all right, let me take the pressure off Joe Manchin. Think about what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema have already done. They've stared down the barrel of every Democrat and said it is irresponsible to put $3.5 trillion back in. It is irresponsible to walk away from the $1.2 bipartisan deal that I worked out with Republicans. And Republicans took the fire in order to work with me. And now I look terrible. And so should the president. But he doesn't care. He sided with the liberals, the the wacko left. So Mitch McConnell takes a two-month pause on the confrontation. He allows these Democrats to start fighting with themselves again and not making him the common enemy and Republicans by saying they won't raise the debt ceiling. Tactically, I like it. You might not. I, I respect it. Ted Cruz doesn't like it. I respect it. Lindsey Graham doesn't like it. Okay. But when Chuck Schumer did this, I realized... These guys are just lost. Cut one. Republicans played a dangerous and risky partisan game. And I am glad that their brinksmanship did not work. Leader McConnell and Senate Republicans insisted they wanted a solution to the debt ceiling, but said Democrats must raise it alone by going through a drawn-out, convoluted, and risky reconciliation process. That was simply unacceptable to my caucus. And yesterday, Senate Republicans finally realized that their obstruction was not going to work. Okay. Do you realize what happened? You ever give in, you know, meet somebody halfway and say, all right, I'll I'll let you have this. And then they go ahead and rub it in your face. Maybe in seventh grade. Then when people get to be adults, they realize it doesn't do any good for the next deal. Joe Manchin can be seen over the left shoulder of Senator Schumer putting his head in his hands. And then just literally putting his head in his hands and shaking his head. Why? Here's the quote. I didn't think it was appropriate at this time, and we had to talk, and we had a talk about that. I'm sure Chuck, his frustration was up, but that was not the way of taking it out. John Thune, I thought it was totally out of line. I just thought it was an incredibly partisan speech after we just helped him solve a problem. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, if you acted like that as an adult, as a parent, it would be totally out of control. You would expect more from a 70-year-old who's been in Congress forever. You have to make deals with these people down the line. You have to look for some sway and some pull. You got some room, and you just rubbed his face in it. And it doesn't work. I don't know who you're winning over. AOC is already uh, a threat to you to a degree. You've already given up the moderates and threw them in the street. So why are you continuing to do that? You keep your powder dry, you walk away, and you get this done, and you find a deal before December. That's what happens. He didn't want the country to default on its debt. The market went flying up. People started making money again. So to me, it's just incredible. The other thing I wanted to bring up is what's happening in this country with President Biden's approval rating. It's at 
I mean, these numbers are incredible. If they were for Donald Trump at his worst, I would be since there would be a sense of panic amongst Republicans and, and and rejoicing with Democrats and CNN. Like there's a difference. His job approval is at 38 percent. Three weeks ago, it was at 42 percent. And that was hideous. Biden's approval on top issues, the economy, 39 percent. That's before these horrible job numbers where he added 195,000 jobs. They expected 500,000 for the U.S. military, 37 percent for the taxes, 37 percent. That's before he ratcheted up taxes with this reconciliation bill if he gets it passed. Foreign policy, 34%. 34% from a guy who was chairman of foreign relations that prided himself on knowing everybody personally and was going to restore integrity and honor back into American foreign policy. No one's buying it. On immigration, 25% approval rating. On leadership skills, 41% approve of him, 56% don't. On his traits, 44% says he's honest, 50% says he is not. On competence, 55%, uh, yet yeah, is administration competent in running the government? 42% said no. 55% said yes. So that's a Q poll that usually swings left. There's got to be a degree of panic. Jonah Goldberg, cut 10. He was elected to unify the country, to bring, return normalcy, and he picked an agenda that was wildly partisan, intensely progressive, in, in some very significant financial terms, more ambitious than the New Deal or the Great Society with a Congress that is the most divided in American history. Well said, Jonah. That's why everyone's getting the dispatch, uh, which is a daily newsletter. one 408 7669 I don't want to take too much time away from Admiral Stavridis, uh, so we'll get to him shortly. I want to talk to him about what's happening with China. They've just responded to the fact that we revealed that we had our commandos in Taiwan uh, working with them to to uh, how to fight off a would-be China invasion. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're happy. Plus, there was a, a meeting in Zurich yesterday with Jake Sullivan and his counterpart in China. We'll get his take on that as well as a nuclear sub-accident. Uh, this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it here. It's Brian Kilmeade. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. China, you and I have talked a lot about it. Uh, This is an absolute existential threat to our way of life. Uh, But we are fueling it from right here in the United States with our own money, with our trade deficit, with our pension funds and Wall Street that are investing uh, over into China and fueling their military buildup. So my call to action to everyone there is when you pick up an item in Walmart or you see it on Amazon, uh, if it says made in China, put it down. Uh, We have to stand up and act, uh, and we have to draw the line with all of these companies that have no problem boycotting Georgia, uh, you know, and their freely elected legislature, but yet when they're making billions over on the backs of slave labor from a country that is persecuting Christians right now as we speak, uh, we need to, as conservatives, stand up and, and take a stand. As Americans, I'd add, that was Michael Waltz one half hour ago on Fox and Friends with me. Uh, I'll add Muslims, too. I mean, they're really torturing Muslims right now, keeping them in concentration camps, and I'm not exaggerating. Admiral James Chavides knows I'm not. He's the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. I uh, wrote a, uh, a novel that reads like a handbook, 2034, a novel of the next world war, uh, which looks at China. Admiral, welcome back. I don't know if he's there. Admiral, can you hear me? I am here. And, uh, you know, Brian, the Olympics are coming. And uh, that, I think, will also be subject to conversation in terms of how the nations of the world want to deal with this. But I'll tell you what I'm watching. I'm watching Taiwan. And uh, last weekend, we saw over 150 Chinese fighters, bombers, anti-submarine warfare aircraft flying into the Taiwanese air defense zones. Uh, That is extremely provocative. It is much higher level. It's a real signal to the U.S. And I think there is trouble ahead in these relationships. Before the Olympics? Do you think they could act before the Olympics? I do not. I think your point is well taken. They will try and remain relatively low-key through the Olympics. But once the Olympics are over, as President Xi begins to consolidate power headed toward next summer, I think there are going to be very challenging times ahead. So it turns out we have said that we've had a couple of dozen commandos in Taiwan training them for a possible invasion. The Chinese responded with this. Why just two dozen members? Why secretly the U.S. should send 240 service members in U.S. military uniform and make public where they're stationed, Uh, he said to the Global Times. uh, said, see whether the PLA will launch a targeted airstrike to eliminate the U.S. invaders. How would you characterize those statements? Uh, Extremely provocative. And worth noting, those were not from an official PRC spokesman, but definitely coming from the the higher levels. And so I find that uh, additionally concerning. I think the administration uh, is taking the right tack. And this, by the way, is something that Team Trump and Team Biden actually agree on, which is that we ought to be making 
Taiwan militarily tougher, make them really indigestible. I've said this before, Brian, we need Taiwan to look like a porcupine. You know, a lion could eat a porcupine, but it really doesn't want to. And I think that the tougher we can make Taiwan militarily, the more deterrence there is, the less likelihood of the events that I describe in the novel 2034, a war. That's what we need to avoid. Well, uh, we, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, was meeting Wednesday with his uh, top Chinese counterpart. Yeah. The, uh, the, the virus didn't come up mysteriously, which gets people like Josh Rogan and others, uh, me on the pedestrian level, just I'm outraged by it. But they want to set the table for some type of virtual summit between the two leaders. Uh, and they said that they basically uh, admitted that they made progress, but they didn't have an overwhelmingly warm statement to make. So we watched the way China's acting, and that came up in the press conference earlier this week, Cut 32. It's been reported that China sent 52 aircraft into Taiwanese airspace. So these strong statements from the State Department and from you don't appear to be listened to in Beijing. So what now? What next? We, we, are also con we are also in touch privately, conveying uh, clear messages through diplomatic channels, and uh, that's the, probably the appropriate uh, place for those. No, the president has not. But we have obviously have, have high-level officials who are in touch with a range of officials there. So they look at that is Zurich. It was constructive and candid, and you've seen the way China's acting. The other thing that I don't understand is why are they looking to nationalize all their private business when that free enterprise, to the degree it's free in China, was the thing that fueled their economy? They, they, they want to be, he wants to be more like Mao. How does that work? Yeah, I think this is going to be the big tension inside China. So if the big tension outside is the U.S., South China Sea, Taiwan, the big tension inside China, Brian, you put your finger on it, is President Xi deciding how much he wants to tamp down the engine of capitalism. Personally, I think it would be a mistake for him to do that, but he wants Good for us. control. Yeah, he wants control. And that is clearly what's unfolding right now in China. Bad for people like Jack Ma, the Chinese billionaire. Bad for people like the actress who vanishes from the uh, Internet. Uh, I think that President Xi needs to be careful about how he tamps down that engine that has carried China to where it is today. So are, when you heard Michael Waltz make those comments about international business and Wall Street backing off and, uh, and not, you know, not picking up made-in-China products— are you okay with Wall Street investing so heavily in nationalized China companies? I think it is a case by case, Brian. You need to look at what are the industries, what are they manufacturing. You know, at the end of the day, is it okay for us to buy shoes that are made in China? I think it is. Uh, is it okay for the Chinese to buy soybeans from us? I think it is. Our economies are intertwined. But we don't want to be investing or sending funding into particular segments of the Chinese economy that are used, for example, to suppress the Uyghur population into their military, into their high-end technology. So I think it's case by case. But, hey, the bottom line is U.S. and Chinese economies are deeply intertwined. We can't just uh, walk away and decouple. That's not the path forward. I, I also want to get your take on what happened with this nuclear sub, the USS Connecticut. Yeah. 12 uh, or yeah. 11 injured inside. They hit some mysterious thing in the ocean floor. <laughs> not mysterious to Admiral Stavridis, perhaps. Do you, know, do you have a sense of what happened? Um, I'm going to go with uh, this was bad navigation on the part of the submarine, and they 
hit probably what's called a seamount. Uh, you know, it's just basically a, a formation on the uh, seabed. Uh, you know, here's the bad news, Brian. This is one of our absolute top best submarines, Sea Wolf class. We only made three of them. They're the best we've ever made. They have the top crew in the Navy. So this is going to be one the Navy's going to pull apart. You know, the conspiracy side of the world is going crazy with, oh, we had a collision with a Chinese submarine. No oh. way. Uh, uh, we uh, Admiral, we, we to... got bad navigation here. Okay, good. Uh, in, in one respect. Admiral Stavridis, thanks so much. Andy McCarthy next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Is waiting to express one's view at a school board meeting, harassment and intimidation? The death threat was, you're going to get knifed, you... You're going to get a you're dead. Tell me where the line is with parents expressing their concerns, waiting for hours in these school board meetings. We've all seen the videos. This happened in my state. People were actually throwing fists and hitting each other outside the auditorium this evening after the board unanimously voted to approve requiring masks. I cannot believe that an attorney general of the United States is engaging in this kind of conduct. And frankly, I can't believe that you are sitting here today defending it. So that was on MSNBC, a little bit of a montage to say the school board is under threat and you need the FBI involved. Is that a good example? Andy McCarthy joins us now, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Uh, Andy, uh, what do you think about everything that's going on now with the FBI, the DOJ asking the FBI to get involved? Well, the problem is the DOJ doesn't have any legal authority to get involved. So, you know, far from from uh, having the FBI do it, the, the Justice Department doesn't have authority to do it. And I thought, Brian, that the big tell in uh, Attorney General Garland's memo, which is a very – I mean, if you've looked at Justice Department guidance memos in the past, it's a highly unusual one. It's only one page long. It doesn't have the usual citations to authority. It clearly wasn't, like, gone through – the Office of Legal Counsel process that we're familiar with, with uh, most of these well-thought-out Justice Department memos. This thing just seemed like um, an afterthought, and I think it was because, and again, the big tell is what what Garland says in the memo is he wants the Justice Department to partner with the state and local and territorial prosecutorial officials. And the dirty little secret here is I, they want to put this out as, yay, we're all going to work together. But the, the reason he's got to do it is the Justice Department has no legal authority. So to get involved, they have to piggyback on the authority of the states and the locals, because under federal law, under the First Amendment, you only have a very small sliver of speech that you can criminalize. It's got to be clear threats of violence that – uh, not only the person who says them intends to have happen, but it's got to be under circumstances where it's likely to happen um, and, you know, the circumstances will allow for it to happen imminently, quickly. But the other aspect of federal law is the violence that you call for has to be a violation of United States law, not local law. 
So I was able to use the incitement statute in the blind shake case because they were going after the U.S. military and government officials. That's the federal jurisdiction for that. But if I go up to my school board chairman and I say, if you teach that critical race theory or you make us have these mask mandates, I'm going to punch you right in the nose. I've done a that's a reprehensible thing. And maybe the police, the local police should get involved. But there's no federal crime because the statute requires that it's got to be a violation of federal law. And these are these are local matters. They're not federal matters. Obviously. And you would think that you're just like you keep. Sometimes you ask cops to come by after a rivalry football or basketball game in some of these towns in these high schools. People in Texas listening to us right now will understand that. That's the same thing you do. If you're worried about the emotions getting too high on both sides, take take precautions. You do it every day. Number two, what I worry about is this. Everything you said is logical. But if the FBI knocks on my door and said, I've been, you know, there's a school board member who feels threatened by your speech the other day that you gave in front of, uh, you know, in front of the school board, do I have to go get a lawyer to defend myself and I'm going to be going through proceedings? Now my life turns up on his head? Yeah, well, that, Brian, you've hit exactly on what they're doing here and why I think Josh Howley it was exactly right to call them out on it because – when you don't have legal authority to do something, but you dispatch your uh, your law enforcement personnel as if they do, what you're really doing is just intimidating people. And this is what the Biden, this is what the, the Obama Biden administration did all the time. They turned the investigative process into the intimidating penalty. So you know, it's one thing to say that, look, I have this parchment promise in the. Uh, in the Constitution, it says I have free speech, you know, and the government's supposed to protect that. But it is only a parchment promise. It is only a thing that's written on paper if you actually have to worry about defending your rights. If they tell you that if you're going to say things that even if the Constitution protects them, we're going to investigate just to make sure nobody feels threatened, then you're under the anxiety of being uh, under an FBI investigation, you may have to go out and get counsel. You may have to go through those expenses. It's a big burden and a lot of anxiety to be placed under investigation, and they know that. So what they're doing is they're using their raw government investigative power to intimidate people under circumstances where they know they have no legal authority to do it, but who's going to stop them? Exactly, and you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm looking at the elite uh, uh, protesting this curriculum. I think I'm looking at uh, average middle-class families who maybe for the first time are speaking publicly because they're so incensed about maybe the transgender exercises that are being taught to first graders or the critical race theory that we can debate all day that's maybe for fifth and sixth and eighth graders. So I've, I ask you, too, how many people are going to stay home because they don't want to get in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm mad, but the last thing I need is controversy. And my kids don't want my, don't, you know, don't want their kid. I'm afraid of being arrested in front of my kids. I don't need this. I'm still dealing with this pandemic. I'm going to stay home. So the brushback pitch will be effective. I also want to get you to some another area of expertise, and that is of this dorm investigation. So there's been the Michael Sussman indictment, and there's been a tech guy who works with Sussman gets indicted. Here's what Cash Patel says he thinks Dorm's doing. Cut one. 
And what I believe John Durham is doing, and what I did in my practice as a prosecutor, is lay out a speaking indictment so that the American public can begin to understand what the corruption was and who exactly was involved. I know you played James Comey soundbite at the top of the show here, talking about, um, you know, he's written, he's investigating the collusion links. What he should have been investigating was the collusion links between the Democratic Party, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and uh, the DNC to funnel this information into the FBI, fraudulently so, and now it's coming to light. And thanks to your reporting over the years, America's finally starting to see the truth of what happened behind this indictment. So do you agree with that? Is he, is he setting up a talking indictment? Is he telling a story? Yeah. Now, and I've, I've written about this, too. I think, uh, you know, to be clear, so far he's only indicted uh, in recent times this Michael Sussman, this lawyer at Perkins Coie. He didn't indict the, um, the tech guy. He's, the tech guy is named in the indictment. It actually is identified as, I think, Tech Executive One, and there's now been public reporting about who that guy is. So far, that person has not been charged. But what the speaking indictment uh, that was just referred to, what that's about is the, the charge that he brought against Sussman was just a narrow – uh, false statements charge that says basically Sussman misrepresented who he was working for. He claimed that he was just a good citizen, wasn't representing anyone when he went to the FBI, and it turns out he was representing the Clinton campaign and this tech executive. But that comes amid a 27-page descriptive indictment, which seems to lay out Durham's theory, which is that the Trump-Russia collusion narrative was completely concocted by the Clinton campaign, who used its lawyers and other people like uh, Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS to peddle this information to law enforcement, which was only too happy to have it. And then the, the Clinton campaign used the fact that they had gotten the FBI to investigate Trump in part of their political messaging. So it's just a it's a big circular political dirty trick. And I think the relevant thing here, Brian, is that before Attorney General Barr left, he formally appointed Durham as a special counsel, which enables Durham to write a report just like Mueller did. So I don't know if there's going to be many more indictments, but it does look like from the speaking indictment that Durham has a theory for what happened here. And whether that amounts to a bunch more crimes or not, I think he is going to write a very extensive report detailing that this whole thing went back to the Clinton campaign. I mean, don't, don't we see that already? I mean, we're already seeing, like, who is Sussman working for? Is he really a concerned citizen? What I ask you, Andrew, having not done this myself for a living or gone to an academy or done investigations, if someone comes up to me and says something of substantial as a presidential candidate has ties to another country through an international bank, and uh, and I want to show you this, the first thing I would say is, what axe does he have to grind? You know, let me ask you, why would he be bringing this forward? Is did he find money in the street and just wanted to do the right thing, or do I have to at least Google him to find out? who he works for, and if I did do that, I'd have to be suspect, and I'd ask him flat out, did the Clinton campaign send you over here? Am I supposed to believe that this has nothing to do with your main client? I mean, where's the logic in it? Where's the thoroughness in this? Yeah, you're being being logical, um, but I'd like to point out a couple of other 
facts, because one of the things that I think Durham's uh, indictment of Sussman undersells is the fact that when they brought stuff to the FBI about Trump, they were pushing on an open door. These are not people who don't know each other. Uh, the guy that at the FBI, Baker, who he met with, who was the uh, at the time the general counsel of the FBI, he knew Sussman. They were acquaintances. Sussman had been a, a Justice Department lawyer in cybersecurity for a number of years. These are guys who move in the same circles. Also, everybody on the planet, and certainly the FBI, knows that Perkins Coie is completely tied into the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. So it's not like they were fooled or they didn't know it. My view of it is the FBI was predisposed to think that Trump was a bad guy. And if somebody came along with information that said, hey, look, Trump is a bad guy, they weren't going to look particularly hard about that. They were going to be very happy to take that information. But I just think that they would be asked as you assemble this, where'd you get it from? And, and you know, the other side would have been the Trump side would have been, who are these people? How do they know? This doesn't exist. And then you, Baker would have to verify his sources that brought this. So I always thought people would be watching their own back if they're putting together an investigation that has so much impact. So if this, so if you're you're seeing these two, you don't expect anything. You you would not be surprised if nothing else came out from Durham. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few more indictments. But I think you know to the extent people are thinking that there might eventually be an overarching, big, like racketeering type indictment that ties all these loose ends together under the auspices of whether it's the Clinton campaign or Fusion GPS or some other scheme. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think most of this is going to be in the nature of abuse of power and a political dirty trick, not necessarily violations of the criminal code. L let's not forget, Sussman's only charged with misrepresenting who he was representing, right? It's not like he's been charged with this big scheme against False information. Trump. He's Right. So Why I, not? I think that what you're talking about, well, because it's not necessarily a crime. If you go to the FBI and you say, look, I have this information, they did actually have information that showed communications between these servers at Alpha Bank and the Trump campaign. They also knew that it was a red herring, as the guy himself said in the indictment, but they thought there was enough there to, to create a political narrative. And they didn't really care whether they whether there was really enough there for a criminal investigation or a national security investigation. They were looking for a political hit on Trump. Now, unless you can come up with a theory that they were obstructing judicial proceedings, for example, because they knew that the FBI was going to take this information and use it and get warrants or go to the FISA court, um, you know, maybe you have a theory like that. But that's a that's a tough road to hoe. All right, I'm still, just my last follow-up on this. So Comey sees this, and it gets to the point where he goes famously in senior ball occlusion, goes in there and tells Trump, can you have a second? I got this information, and he starts telling the salacious details about the dossier. So the dossier's working. Sussman's working behind the scenes with the FBI. The FBI, to the point they believe this piece of fiction, where they're telling this presidential candidate, this future president, that they, the Russians have all this information on him, and he's not sure if it's true or not. Does he really mean that? Does Comey, is Comey yeah. acting? 
Yeah, I, th- I think they, first of all, I think that it was too good to check, right? Because we know they didn't check it before they used it in the FISA court. It was consistent with their idea of who Trump was, and they wanted Hillary to win and Trump to lose. So they took the information, they used it in court, and they didn't check it that hard. And the way that Comey gave the information to Trump, what that did was that information was not being reported by the media because it couldn't be substantiated. But once Comey briefed Trump, then it becomes newsworthy just because the FBI used it to brief Trump. So all of a sudden, right after he did that, it got leaked to Mm -hmm. CNN and then put out all over the place. So. You know, again, I think this was a political dirty trick through and through that doesn't necessarily make it a violation of the criminal law. The one thing I would say, it hurt the country because because it really it it hurt the country because it made uh, the Trump administration distracted for two and a half to three years. And don't tell me that that ever is beneficial. Uh, And I know you did a whole book on this. I'm just astounded how this is all coming together um, slowly. and now through other circles. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Wow. Uh, we come back. I'll try to squeeze in some calls. I went a little long there. And then tell you about uh, the President of Freedom Fighter, where you can find me on the road. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. When the president ran as candidate, his message was, I'm going to bring uh, sort of normal back. Life is going to feel normal in whatever way you thought normal meant. And I think for so many people, certainly voters that I talk to, they're still waiting for normal to come. And whether that's on the economy, whether that's the end of COVID, whether that's the end of the sort of divisive, dysfunctional politics, they haven't seen it. Yeah, and that's why they're talking about 194,000 jobs instead of 500,000 jobs. When they talk about mandates and the division that people have because some are legitimately hesitant, very learned people about taking the vaccine. Not maniac, proud boy Trump supporters, but uh, African-Americans, PhDs, and the president instead says you're fired and you get what you deserve. Local governments, uh, school districts lost 144,000 jobs. Bars and restaurants saw essentially no growth at all. Uh, And the seasonal adjusted schools simply did not add the number of teachers uh, beginning this academic year. So uh, the things are not hitting warp speed. International relations are not going well. And that's why the president's approval rating 36 percent. Meanwhile, the president of Freedom Fighter, it comes out November 2nd. I want people to meet me on stage if you're in West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia. And you could do that on November 7th. Appreciate that. On top of that, you'll be December 3rd in Point of December 4th in Clearwater, Florida. And, of course, in Orlando, Florida, November 21st. So I want you to see me at all those locations. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Get tickets. This way, I can see you in person. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to FoxNewsPodcasts.com for all the details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for being with us all week long. Kind of fascinating week for us being uh, having this job for 25 years and then being at a place that's 25 years old and Fox News still feels kind of new uh, and the success we've had. So I appreciate you being here. I understand the Empire State Building is going to be written up, uh, lit up red, white and blue for Fox, which is cool because this is the most patriotic network ever created. Uh, we don't get up every day thinking about everything America does wrong, even though we know we're not playing a perfect game. But the fact is, we try to. George P. Bush is going to be with me at the bottom of the hour. He wants to be the next attorney general of Texas. Right now, he's Texas land commissioner. And between the lack of drilling that's taking place, the, ga- the natural gas shortage the world is experiencing, and the fact that oil is going up and we're begging OPEC to drill more, I think this is a pretty significant interview. So be there for that. Uh, and Jennifer Griffin is standing by to bring us the latest on the challenges that China is presenting to us and Afghanistan and around the world. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The Biden administration could snap his fingers right now and release a bunch of information that would help us understand what's going on and how we got into this mess. And it seems like they don't want to do that because they don't want the problem of dealing with it politically and diplomatically. They don't want to throw progressives under the bus. They don't want to complicate U.S.-China relations. And they're doing that at the cost of our national security and our public health. Uh, No doubt about it. He knows as much. The Washington Post, Josh Rogan, is anybody. China, President Biden is trying to engage with this belligerent power, but at what cost? Looking the other way at concentration camps, spying, and the origins of COVID. I think it's time for a plan B, don't you? Number two. I'm calling on more employers to act. My message is require your employees to get vaccinated. With vaccinations, we're going to beat this pandemic finally. Without them... We face damage to our economy and anxiety in our schools. Yeah, most states, uh, the cases are down 50 percent, but we don't want to get bogged down in facts. President Biden, mandate mania. President speaks out about why take the shot or get fired. Works for him, even if it means no work for you. Warning, the worst is yet to come as your kids are next. Number one. You look at where we're at today and where we were at a year ago. You mentioned gas prices. Gas prices are a dollar more a gallon. That means every American's paying 20 more dollars every time they fill up their tank. Uh, Reince Priebus laying it out. Inflation is up. They say on average, the average American family paying an extra $175 in uh, food items and in and just goods on a daily basis. Can we afford that? The economy for all sides. We're going to talk about the shortages, inflation, and how infighting is costing us all. Is there one real leader left in Washington, certainly on Capitol Hill? That's the bigger question. Joining us now is Jennifer Griffin, Fox News national security correspondent, uh, and she handles uh, everything around the globe, much like our government's been tasked with doing. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Jennifer, uh, when you look at what's happening in China now and the meetings in Zurich, some uh, a tepid response. They said progress was made. How would you characterize U.S.-China relations right now? Well, I think you have to look at it in the big picture right now, Brian. And the administration really is in a in a difficult position. One of the reasons that President Biden wanted to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan, and you can argue whether that was a good idea or not. You and I both have discussed that and and have our concerns. Uh, but one of the reasons is that he and his administration want to pivot to China. We first started hearing about pivot to China under uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and President Obama, then uh, President Trump as well. 
This administration has kept many of the Trump policies in place, particularly trade policies in place towards China. Now they're in this situation where they've got troops out of Afghanistan, but we're starting to see reports about really the militarization of the South China Sea. So you've got a report in the Wall Street Journal that was very alarming about dozens of U.S. troops that have been deployed to Taiwan and are tra training their special operations forces. That was a little that was below the radar, though we found reference to these troops on uh, Pentagon websites, but it had never been announced. And that happened about a year ago. You have a U.S. sub that's been that was out in the uh, in the South China Sea that hit an object. We still don't know what that object is. We've been told it wasn't another sub, but uh, 11 uh, U.S. sailors were injured in that submarine accident in the Pacific. Uh, you have China flying 155 warplanes toward Taiwan uh, over four days as the U.S. carries out military exercises in the South China Sea. So you have these talks uh, with the Chinese. Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, met in Geneva with his counterpart. Uh, but the question is, are they going to uh, use tough talk? Are they going to use the military as a deterrent? Are they pr going to change the relationship to Taiwan? That could be a flashpoint. You know, for, for the last few years, we've been focusing on the Strait of Hormuz and, and Iran being a flashpoint in terms of drawing the U.S. military into an unexpected war or conflict. But really, all eyes should be on Taiwan and the very delicate diplomatic balance as well as military balance in terms of what's happening out in the South China Sea. And I asked Jack Keen that about 90 minutes ago on Fox and Friends. Here's what he said. Cut 33. It's also uh, tied to the collapse in Afghanistan and the and humiliation and embarrassment the United States and credibility has we have suffered worldwide because they've been pumping into Taiwan uh, every single day the message that look at what happened in Afghanistan. The United States walked away from a 20-year ally and abandoned the country. That's the message they're trying to get into the head of Taiwanese, that you cannot count on the United States. Does this, do you see the relation? Chip? I, I, do, I do. I agree with General Keene um, on that analysis. I think that you have a, a number of things happening as you, you know, these are complicated relationships. But uh, if you really go back to the beginning of the Trump administration and the change there, that is when uh, the U.S. started to change its relationship without changing the overall poli uh, policy of strategic ambiguity, but began selling billions of dollars of weapons to Taiwan. Um, many of those weapons we are now learning are very high tech and not necessarily the weapons they need to do that Taiwan needs to defend itself against China. But that was seen as provocative by Beijing. Then now we hear that there are U.S. special operations forces on the ground doing training in Taiwan. That hasn't happened before. Uh, so there, there's always a danger when you withdraw from someplace and particularly given the nature of the chaotic withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan and the fact that we have still left behind uh, Afghan commandos that we trained, gave our, all of our tactics and procedures, TTPs, as they call them in the military, uh, they are in safe houses now in Afghanistan thinking that the U.S. is going to come and rescue them. They may not. This kind of breach of, of, uh, of the promises that the U.S. made to many of these Afghan allies 
uh, and the fact that it slowed to a trickle the number of people getting out of Afghanistan who thought the U.S. Were, had made promises to them, that impacts places like Asia where you're trying to build alliances to counter China. And it certainly is relevant with Taiwan. But I would also say, you know, to shift from the military, uh, the militarization of the Middle East to the militarization of the South China Sea and to go toe-to-toe with the Chinese, that's a, that's a war both sides will lose. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and I th- you know I love this new quad. Uh, you know, India, Australia, Japan, South Korea. I love the fact that they're going. They we have the same concerns, and that is the way to get China's attention. Uh, but I will. I was concerned about this. A little bit surprised for the longest time. The biggest controversy had been selling weapons to uh, Taiwan. I was surprised to find out that for the last fifteen years, Taiwan really has not had that much of an investment in their defense. They said buying too much expensive equipment that will get destroyed in the first hours of a conflict has been their focus. Uh, instead of uh, uh, cheaper but less lethal anti-ship missiles, smart sea mines, well-trained reserve and auxiliary forces that would complicate the war plans, make it difficult to be taken. So it looks like we have to do a quick – they have to do a quick pivot. Uh, to well, to uh, to get themselves ready because I don't think China wants a fight. They want a Hong Kong situation to just steamroll yes. a bunch of protesters. I mean, that's the thing you have to remember, Brian, is that China basically just waltzed into Hong Kong and overnight uh, took control and re- re- rewrote the rules in yep. Hong Kong yep. after making promises to Britain and the West and the U.S. And the U.S. and the rest of the allies were were basically helpless in, in pushing back on that. That's what Beijing thinks it can do with Taiwan, and that's what is so dangerous. The quote that you were just reading of the analysis of the kind of weapons that the U.S. has been selling to Taiwan and that Taiwan has been asking for and buying, uh, that comes from Matt Pottinger, the former deputy national security advisor under um, under President Trump, who is one of the most knowledgeable uh, people out there in terms of the China threat. And so for him to say that, and he was in a position to know, is is very should people should take note. That was also in the Wall Street Journal um, exclusive that. that that was so eyebrow-raising about the U.S. troops that are there now trying to train uh, the Taiwanese forces. Um, again, all of this adding to a ten- tension with Beijing, possibility for miscalculation, misunderstandings, um, and and the real question is, what is the Biden administration's approach going to be to China? Uh, it doesn't want to paint it as an adversary. That's why you see it talking less and less about the Uyghurs and, and Hong Kong and human rights issues. Uh, you you see them uh, downplaying. I think it, also relevant is the intelligence report on the Wuhan lab. Uh, we were expecting some, you know, some a greater uh, accountability and revelations in that intel- that intelligence report. It came out very, very, uh, you know, mealy-mouthed against the Chinese and, and, and inconclusive. And it is though the, uh, the Biden administration wants that issue to go away because they know that there's no way to move on other issues with China if we're hammering on about the, the Wuhan lab and the origins of the COVID virus. But we still need to know, how did the COVID virus start? When did it start? The Chinese have been blocking every effort to find that. So it is, 
I don't envy their position. This is not an easy relationship. This is going to be the relationship that the U.S. focuses on in the next hundred years. It's a you're looking at a uh, the next uh, you know this is this will be the story of our lifetime for the, from here on out. You know, for the last 25 years, you and I have been focusing on uh, counterterrorism and post 9/11 issues, and uh, and. And now the focus, the Biden administration wants the focus to be on Asia, as did two prior presidents. The question is, will the Middle East suck him back in? I want you to hear what Josh Rogan said of the Washington Post. Cut 28. What Radcliffe said that was really important in that clip was that he can't talk about the intelligence that we have. And, you know, the Biden administration could snap his fingers right now and release a bunch of information that would help us understand what's going on and how we got into this mess. And they don't want to do that. It seems like they don't want to do that. Because they don't want the the issue, the problem of dealing with it politically and diplomatically. They don't want to throw progressives under the bus. They don't want to complicate U.S.-China relations. And they're doing that at the cost of our national security and our public health. So, you know, all Radcliffe has to say is, hey, uh, Biden, why don't you just release the stuff that I've already seen? That would get us somewhere. That would be better than what we've got now, which is a total vacuum of information and effort. So he was responding to a Radcliffe soundbite in the Megyn Kelly podcast. Josh Rogan, who you know has done extensive work here, he's trying to get it's hard for get to, to get his uh, people to pay attention, but he's been screaming from the rooftops like you. Well, and he he's written an excellent book on on the yep. Wuhan lab and the origins, and so he knows uh, that there's more out there. Uh, but as I just mentioned, it's it's complicated in terms of if, how does the Biden administration reset relations with China? What are their priorities going to be? Is it going to be trade issues? Is it going to be Taiwan? Is it going to be the Wuhan lab and the origin of the COVID virus? I think we're seeing that they are certainly not interested in um, elevating the uh, the debate about the COVID virus. And that's why that intelligence report was so dissatisfying to so many who expected more. Yeah. And I, I don't think we should give up on that. I think that that is a, uh, this is something that's going to be coming back around. It's not one of those now, after action reports because they're not going to stop. Absolutely. Very important because the next pandemic is already probably in the making. Uh, the the thing I want to also draw attention to since we're talking about Afghanistan, there's a very interesting survey that came out this week from Welcome U.S. This is a group of 25 veteran service organizations that have banded together and veterans are helping to welcome Afghan evacuees at the eight military bases around the country, um, groups like Save Our Allies and the Independence Fund, uh, excellent, excellent veteran service organizations. And this survey found that 77 percent of veterans who were surveyed uh, agree that the U.S. has an obligation to help fleeing Afghans uh, settle in the U.S. Forty-six percent of those veterans are still helping those Afghan refugees come to the U.S. Uh, I think this is important because this is a bipart. These are bipartisan veteran service groups who all feel that this is very important and it's unfinished business. And the Biden administration, especially the State Department, they want to move on. They don't want to talk about Afghanistan. But there are still 53,000 Afghans at eight U.S. military bases who have not been settled into communities. We need to get their status settled. They all have been vaccinated. They've been screened three times by the U.S. uh, DHS and, and other agencies. It's time to get them settled and off these bases. It's a huge drain for the U.S. military. And it is a real psychological burden for veterans who are suffering after seeing the terrible images at the, of the way this war ended and the fact that the 
Taliban are back in control. And to see all those commanders from Milley to the Secretary of Defense, Austin, to uh, McKenzie say, yeah, I, that's not what I recommended. Uh, we recommended something totally different than what happened. Uh, you get to know that it's, it makes it even more frustrating. Jennifer, thanks so Very much. frustrating. Thank you. Yep. Uh, she lives it every day. Jennifer Griffin, one uh, 408 Thanks so much for listening. George P. Bush at the bottom of the hour, but you're next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What does Senator Sinema value? Oh, right, money. She basically, through her posture here, has turned herself into something of an SNL punchline for vagueness and trolling. They're all better off if something happens than if the whole thing collapses. I think that's being called into question a little bit now in the, in the um, uh, case of the senator from Arizona, Kirsten Cinema. It is nuts. What is with these people? These are all Democrats talking about Democrats. Kirsten Cinema represents a red state. She said all along, I'll do a bipartisan deal, not the other. She's come up a little bit. I imagine she's with Manchin at 1.5 instead of 3.5. And she's allowed to be harassed in the bathroom yesterday, again, walking to the Capitol building. No one's coming to her defense. Listen to this. Cut seven. Who are you going to leave out um, for, the, for the Build Back Better Biden agenda? Can you talk with us, please, today? Congresswoman? Senator. Senator Sinema, would you please tell um, the majority of Americans who support Build Back Better why you won't vote for it? Who are you going to leave behind? Seniors who need health care, folks who need housing, the climate crisis, who are you going to leave behind, Senator? Okay. Mark Kelly, Democrat, Army, Navy guy, astronaut should at the very least say, leave her alone. I don't care what she believes or what she does. You don't have to be harassed walking to a car, to a bathroom, to school, to the airport, on the plane. You know what Senator Sinema should say? I've been thinking about it. I think I'm going to be a Republican or I'm no longer a Democrat. How would you like to lose the majority? Because the only way you win in Arizona is not to be a left-wing firebrand. I hardly believe I should be the one defending Senator Cinema. I feel terrible that someone speaking their mind gets this type of abuse. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. All effort has been refocused on expediting the processing speed of the massive amounts of illegal aliens that are coming into the country today. That should matter, because if I can't tell you who crosses through a Nogales or a McAllen or a San Diego, they are going to end up in your community. So in that case, it is fairly open. No, the border's wide open right now. Wide open. The border's wide open right now. Uh, Joining me now, that is uh, 
Rodney Scott, he used to run things at the border. He got out of there. He's like, no one's listening to me. These policies I can't get back up. I can't back up. My, my guys are all dispirited. I'm out. George P. Bush doesn't have that luxury. He's the Texas Land Commissioner and candidate for Texas Attorney General. He joins us now. Uh, George, welcome back. Good morning. Great to be with you. Hey, George, it looks like things got substantially worse since the last time we spoke, if, if that's at all possible. You're talking about tens of thousands from over 100 countries coming in the border. What kind of financial and physical drain has it been on the people of Texas? Well, we're actually putting together the accounting right now. Uh, I've had a chance to visit with the county judge that represents the area of Del Rio, where, of course, we saw imagery of 20,000 estimates ranging from 15 to 21,000 Haitians under the International Bridge there. And he declared a state of emergency. The governor did as well in his county. But FEMA has refused to, and this president, uh, declare this a national disaster declaration. The governor has, uh, as of today, filed an appeal to that ruling to say, look, we can't just be on the tab for this incursion and the massive amounts of incursions and apprehensions that we've uh, had to undertake at the state level this year alone. Um, So this is an ongoing process, but clearly this administration is not going to help out the state of Texas. This special session, we did appropriate an additional billion dollars to support the what is known as Operation Lone Star, and that's for deploying as many DPS troopers as we possibly can to the southern border um, and to help complete the unfinished Trump wall, the 300 miles that were appropriated federal monies, but that we're going to help fund at the state level. So, Brian, we're, we're working on the def- definitive figure, but right now the indications are not good that the Biden administration is going to do what former presidents have done, including President Obama, and that is to actually support states like Texas when facing a huge crisis like this. If Title 42 goes away, uh, everything gets substantially harder. Can you tell everybody what that would mean? So Title 42 has been an effective tool uh, utilized by our honorable Border Patrol officials to immediately remove and deport folks uh, under public health guidelines. Uh, This has been one of the, the great hypocrisies of our current policy under the Biden administration is that We have mask mandates, vaccination requirements, but yet when it comes to those that come here illegally, there's no such requirement to be tested or even vaccinated. And and so this is an effective tool that the Biden administration has threatened to remove from the authority of our Border Patrol officials to to deport. Uh, We've used it sparingly in the context of the Haitian um, migrant caravan, but um, when I talk to Border Patrol officials along the border, They say that uh, the administration is looking at ways to curtail this authority that they can utilize. And it's one of the last remaining authorities because Mayorkas did declare this week that ICE agents cannot apprehend, detain, arrest, or deport illegals strictly on the basis of being here illegal. It has to be incident to another crime, which is crazy, Brian, that they are committing a crime when they are here. I know. But yet this administration has decided that they're not going to apprehend. But you know what's amazing, George? Nobody knows how to explain you or your family politics. So whatever you believe, you have to look at the polls and say, okay, what do the people want? What? And if you look at his approval rating as it relates to immigration, immigration policies in general, 24% approval. The border, the Mexican-Texas border, 23% approval. On In what planet is that something that you shouldn't tackle as a president? 
I, I just I don't get it. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the rationale, and and there's one or two explanations, and and the strongest one is that he feels honestly that he's building political loyalty within the Hispanic community. And I'm here to tell you, as the son of a legal immigrant, that it's doing the actual opposite. That I talk to Democrats far and wide throughout the state that have said and told me that they've never been more embarrassed by their president than the current one, particularly those that are in elected leadership positions along the border that have seen firsthand a spike in homicide, spike in human trafficking, spike in narcotics trade, where cartels thrive in this environment, making over $15 million a day, the very lucrative trade just on the drug side of it uh, of the equation so it, it's bad policy but it's good for politics and you know I just as a concerned Texan um, most of us including Democrats and independents are saying enough is enough we've got to stand up we've got to enforce our laws and restore a sense of security and of course encourage other Americans to know that this is a national security issue that's not just limited to the southern border uh, Governor Abbott just welcomed 10 additional governors uh, just recently this week in highlighting the spike in opioid trade, for example, in Ohio with Governor DeWine and, and other great governors throughout the Midwest that say because of the transiting and the dangers that we've seen in South Texas now have made their way to their respective jurisdictions. So this is a national issue. I want you to hear what Rodney Scott also told Brett about the border wall. We're paying contractors uh, for a while, it was almost $5 million a day between DOD and DHS. To not? To work. not build the border wall. There's wait, wait, wait. $5 million a day to not build the wall? To not build a wall. Even though they have all the stuff, they have... There are stacks and stacks of border wall uh, panels. There's hundreds of miles of fiber optic cabling. Uh, there's hundreds of, bo- of cameras that were being installed with that uh, that are just sitting. There's no action being taken. I mean, what do you think? I, I guess this is not news to you, but when you hear it laid out by somebody that did this for a living up until a month ago, what do you think? Well, he's absolutely right. Uh, and I've seen it firsthand, and that's why I brought a lawsuit against the Biden administration, uh, not only because of his actions being illegal under the Empowerment Control Act, but because this is just sensible management of taxpayer dollars. Um, the Biden administration absolutely is incurring millions of dollars of unspent contractor and breakup fees with contractors up and down the border. The good news is the state of Texas will step in and assume some of those contractual responsibilities to build our own wall. Have you started yet? Or permanent. So right now, Texas Facility Commission um, is procuring contract. They've selected two contractors. Um, We have dedicated the state, at least at the land office, over 200,000 acres. Uh, so there's still quite a bit of engineering. There's a little bit of eminent domain work with private landowners. But considering that the state can build on its own acreage managed by the land office, we're moving forward right now on engineering to and feasibility to actually construct. Um, but it, it, it's wasteful. And my lawsuit, is what I, it's, it's right now in the U.S. Federal District Court of the Southern District of Texas, highlights the fact that over $5 billion was appropriated for 700 miles uh, but only a fraction of that was actually spent. And so we have a long way to go to further secure right. the border. And regretfully, the coyotes, the smugglers, the migrant caravans know that Del Rio is one of our more unfenced areas of the southern border. Frankly, it's just the Rio Grande Valley and El Paso that are our most uh, fenced areas. But they're smart. Yeah. They know exactly the thoroughfares. They know the, the transit routes. 
to get through our border, to get to federal highways, and then transit to other parts of the country. Right, oh, but it just allows you to ferry. You can save manpower when you put up a barrier. Simple as that. George P. Bush, our guest, wants to be the next attorney general in Texas, currently the land commissioner. It's a huge job. The other big story that we covered personally that I was on the ground with you is natural gas, the fracking, and the drilling. In federal lands, it has stopped thanks to this president. Now, natural gas shortages are global, and we are begging OPEC to drill more. How much short of capacity or where you were a year ago is Texas? And I know a lot of Texas companies own land in and drill in uh, New Mexico. So having said that, tell everyone the reality on the ground. So this is yet another America last policy of the Biden administration. I never thought in my wildest dreams that an American president would get on the phone and beg uh, foreign leaders to produce more oil and gas when we can actually develop it here, employing American jobs um, and creating opportunities in our own communities. And by the way, if they really do care about the environment, the carbon intensity of an American oil and gas well is a fraction of that in Saudi Arabia or Russia and other parts of the Middle East. But we are facing a, a shortage, uh, the lowest inventory and in, I think uh, over 20 years of natural gas, this is significantly going to affect the Northeast in particular, uh, where we've seen a a contract in New England exceed over $20 per MNBTU. So for just frame of reference, I mean, that that means the the barrel of oil equivalent would be well over uh, West Texas Intermediate. So that's over $100. So we're looking at higher heating bills. We're looking at higher power prices. So the constituents that the Democrats claim to represent are actually being the most impacted by an America last energy policy. So, um, you know, let's hope for a warm, mild winter. Um, But that's not that's not a good uh, policy. We need more fossil fuels, more base fuels. That's what we learned from our Texas winter grid crisis in Texas, hopefully can lead it. uh, Unfortunately, this administration is hamstrung the rest of the country develop uh, this vital resource that we're going to need this cold winter. So I want to bring put, put, on, put on your analyst hat for a second. Beto O'Rourke, who looks like he's going to run for governor, uh, might have competition for Matthew McConaughey and kind of called him out. So uh, Matthew McConaughey, the actor who hasn't said he's in but doesn't comment on anybody's policy, said this. Before we start saying, hey, this is where I stand, this is where I stand, which creates already a divide or some 50% of the people are going to come at you. Let's answer these other questions about purpose of democracy. All right, what, what is progress? How about this question? Do we really want to be a United States of America? What do you think? Is he ready? No, I don't. I mean, you can't win a race in Texas on platitudes and generalities and, um, you know, poet philosophy, which is what he has described himself. Um, you know, look, he, he deserves a lot of credit for being a good actor. Um, he's been very philanthropic, not only here in Austin, but for other uh, situations throughout our state like Hurricane Harvey. But when it comes down to the brass knuckle element of Texas politics, which can be rough and tumble, uh, he's starting to get the real questions, like where you actually stand on the issues. And Beto uh, has basically echoed what Governor Abbott and a lot of others have said, and that is, where are you on the issues? Um, again, I, I think that he's you know, an interesting figure here in Texas, well-recognized. But when it comes down to it, the public is going to want to know where you are in life, where you are on uh, free exercise of, of your faith, where you are on free enterprise ideas that have made our state so resilient and um, a, a place and a beacon of hope where people are moving here every single day. So 
if he's going to run for the highest office in the land here, he's going to ha- have to answer some real questions. I don't ultimately see him running, but I do look forward to the race against Beto as a Republican nominee because this guy represents the liberal progressive wing of our state. And I look forward to that to that fight in the contest of ideas. Yeah, it's always great to go to Texas and say, I'll take your guns away. That usually resonates. Uh, George, <laughs> how about you as attorney general? Maybe you should tell us why you think now's the right time for you to, to make that move. Well, I'm not going to sit idly by, um, as we talked about all, with respect to illegal immigration, and see my state uh, under attack um, and our values, frankly, in the courthouse. Um, you know, I, I respect Ken as a person, uh, but the reality is because of the cloud of legal suspicion over his head, he's been ineffective as our top attorney. We deserve in our state a population of 28 million, somebody who's going to be focused on a job day in, day out, uh, secure our border, backing law enforcement more than just with rhetoric, but with actual word, with actual action and um, getting things done in the legislature. And because of that broken trust between the legislature and the AG's office, we've been unable to expand the authorities to take on human trafficking or deadbeat, lazy prosecutors, say here in Austin, that have decided not to prosecute any nar- narcotics uh, cases, similar to what we're seeing in San Francisco, L.A., and other parts of our country. So I'm not – as a resident of Austin, I've seen this defund the police movement firsthand and what it means to a community like ours where our homicide rate is at an all-time high. And I'm just, as a Texan, I'm just not going to sit back. I'm going to offer myself in this role. I'm going to travel the state, run a retail campaign, engage with the grassroots. And so far, so good. We've been picking up some great endorsements and support throughout the state. George P. Bush, nobody works harder. And uh, he served in the military as well. George P. Bush, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. You got it. Have a great Uh, weekend. Same to you. And there's a lot on the plate of Texas, which reflects on our nation as a whole. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be back with more to know and your calls, 1 866 408 7669. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The data on natural immunity are now overwhelming. Turns out the hypothesis that our public health leaders had that vaccinated immunity is better and stronger than natural immunity was wrong. How about some flexibility? How about recognizing natural immunity and allowing those who have circulating antibodies to get credit? It's ruining the lives of people who are getting fired. Nurses who are heroes are now getting laid off. Uh, Soldiers are getting dishonorably discharged. They've got immunity. It's just not the type that our public health officials have sanctioned. This is a failure of government, not a failure of science. Yeah, I mean, why can't we circulate the antibody tests and, and just certify them that way, the same way the COVID tests are, and that would be it. Uh, and, and that would all of a sudden factor people in. Hey, I've had it already. I got the immunity. I know what it goes. I know how to go about it. If it runs out, the durability is an issue. You check again in four months. If the, if in four months you don't get that antibody test to prove you have the immunities up, then you got to get the vaccine if you choose to go the punitive way. But too many people are losing their jobs and livelihoods. That was Dr. Marty McCary, who makes way too much sense. Eric was on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Eric. 
Hey, Brian, as usual, you're right on topic. I just wanted to uh, get your opinion on a thought about this Kirsten Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin getting predated on constantly. Um, it's nuts. As we know, Joe, uh, Joe Biden said it's part of the process, and one of the spokespeople for the administration said that these people are just engaged. So using that thought pattern, aren't these uh, school board parents, the PTA moms, and even January 6th, aren't those people just part of an engaged process? What do you think about that? Absolutely, they're engaged. In, uh, but you just don't have to be harassing. You know, if Kirsten Cinema's at a town hall and you want to get up and you want to get mad at her, okay. And if you want to express something to her, but following her on an airplane, on an airplane, through an airport, into the bathroom, yesterday en route to work, that's not going to win her over. I don't know. From what I can tell of her, she's pretty hard-nosed. And that's going to have her uh, dig in. And for her not to be protected by maybe even Mark Kelly, who's a fellow senator from Arizona and others, you've got to get secret service to this woman. I don't even know her, right? She's a Democrat. But I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. And the president didn't help at all. It's incredible. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, Kurt, listening in Omaha. Hey, Kurt. Listen on court. Hey, Brian. Real quick, what's um, on your mind? With Cinema and Mansion, when these guys are, these are paid professional harassers, they should turn around to these people and say, okay, you tell me what's in this bill, and I'll tell you what I don't like about it. They'd shut up because they have no clue what's in this bill. Absolutely, because it's a bunch of blank pages with a big 3.5 on the front. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. By the way, the President Freedom Fighter Tour, you know about where I'll be. But I'm also going to be in Manhasset at Publicans on November 3rd. On Staten Island later in the week, find out more. Albany, New York on November 12th. Doylestown, Pennsylvania on November 11th. You get it all on BrianKillMe.com. And Vero Beach, Florida, November 15th. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, Bill Hemmer will be here shortly. Uh, Jesse Waters at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, you, uh, 1-866-408-7669. Kind of excited. I got the President of Freedom Fighter coming out. And on November 3rd, November 3rd, I'll be at two New York events for for 77 WABC uh, and WRCN. uh, Two events, uh, one on... On Wednesday, November 3rd, that's at Publicans at 6 o'clock. Just go online and register, and it's going to be a chance to have beers and books, so you don't have to just wait online, which can be drag drag out. But on November 4th, I'll be in Staten Island for the first time. I know there's a lot of supporters out there, people who love history. This is Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. I think you'll like it, and I look forward to meeting everybody out there. So just go online, uh, and in the Publicans' case, you get tickets ahead of time, and hopefully— uh, we'll get that done. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The Biden administration could snap its fingers right now and release a bunch of information that would help us understand what's going on and how we got into this mess. And it seems like they don't want to do that because they don't want the problem of dealing with it politically and diplomatically. They don't want to throw progressives under the bus. They don't want to complicate U.S.-China relations. And they're doing that at the cost of our national security and our public health. Josh Rogan knows wrote a great book on this very topic, China. President, Trump, President Biden is trying to engage with this belligerent power battle. What cost? Look at the other uh, the other ways in concentration camps. Look the other way when it comes to spying. Look the other way when it comes to the origins of COVID. I think it's time for a plan B, don't you? Number two. I'm calling on more employers to act. My message is require your employees to get vaccinated. With vaccinations, we're going to beat this pandemic finally. But without them, we face damage to our economy and anxiety in our schools. Mandate mania. President Biden speaks out about why take the shot or get fired works for him, even if it means no work for you. Warning, the worst is yet to come. Mandates and kids, not a good combination. Number one. You look at where we're at today and where we were at a year ago. You mentioned gas prices. Gas prices are a dollar more a gallon. That means every American's paying 20 more dollars every time they fill up their tank. Yeah, that's just uh, the beginning of it. You buy milk, you buy cereal. Everything that you get is now more expensive. The economy from all sides, the shortages, inflation, and how infighting is costing us all. Is there any real leader left in Washington? Actually, the one I think who looks the best over the last few weeks is Joe Manchin. I really do. Uh, Bill Hammer joins me now, co-anchor of America's hey, Newsroom. He has a tradition. He likes to shower after his show. That's where you were a few minutes later. Yes, that's right. right? Baby wipes. Uh, and uh, oh, that's the same. Yeah, this is a similar shower. Same one you used in uh, Kuwait and Iraq. Right? I, I, you're right about that. <laughs> the Marines taught me well. Right. And Jesse Waters at the bottom of the hour. Right, uh, Bill, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, brother. How you been? It's good to see people. Uh, right? right? Is it great? Little by little, getting I, more and more people in studio. I mean, I think this building just it got populated just in the last two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say that. I'd say the same thing's true for the city. Yeah. Uh, Sidewalks and cars. And, and that's a without of, a lot of tourists. Um, yeah. I mean, in Midtown, you get tourists where we're located. More but, empty stores in Midtown than anywhere else in Manhattan. Um, I don't disagree with that. I think you're probably right about that. I think the stats back me up. I would never throw something like that yeah. out. You know what I think? You know, I... I look at the jobs number. There's 9 million to 11 million jobs that are open. Why aren't they filled? No idea. If you want to work, you can work, right? Um, the retail business in New York, maybe it comes back and comes back at a different level. I don't know. But but you're right about the emptiness on some of the storefronts still. Not as bad as it used to be. Right. A lot of these places have reopened. They told because, us to go home and right, stop working. I, I get it. but you know, And people came back to the city and they still continue to. I just think... I think habits change, and I think COVID changed habits for a certain percentage of Americans. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 10%, but in a country of 330 million, it it makes a difference. Uh, I use this example. What do you give up for Lent? Uh, I haven't in 20 years. Come on. I don't play the Lent game. I thought you were Catholic. I am, but I'm not really into the ceremonial part of it. Well, you don't like the sacrifice. I don't like the sacrifice. just like things to I'm all into myself, yeah. Um. Like, I give up booze, and I have for You going to do that again? No, I don't yeah, think so. Not, no, right, not yeah. during COVID. Yeah. No, no, no. Please. That was, that was too tough. Yeah. Um, so it's like 50 days, right? 
you know, you, you notice after six, seven weeks that your habits change. Well, what happens after a year and a half plus? Yeah. Habits change. And I think for a certain percentage of Americans, that's the case. And maybe they, maybe they just don't want to go back to their old life, which included a job. Okay, I, I, we have 194,000 jobs. We expected 500,000 jobs added. Uh, we know the unemployment tra- rate dropped down to 4.8%. The uh, the worker participation is around 61%. So six out of every 10 are working. Higher than Europe, but we could do better than that, and we need to do better than that. Uh, that makes it all the more wondering what kind of momentum, legitimate momentum is there for $3.5 trillion. We're going to create jobs. How dare you keep mm-hmm. jobs for people? Really? What jobs are needed that we don't have available? I don't think the $3.5 trillion package, or whether it's five or two in the end, or whatever they come up with. And the 1.2. That, that, that's not the jobs issue. The, the, the jobs package is on the infrastructure thing. You know, I was looking at poll numbers this past week from the Quinnipiac uh, poll that came out on Wednesday. Have you dived deep, taken a deep dive into some of those numbers? Well, I'll just uh, share some with the with the audience. Overall approval stunning, considering he's got a very compliant press, thirty eight percent approval. It's that is hideous. Three weeks ago, it was at forty two, which is struggling. The economy, he gets a thirty nine percent grade on the U.S. military, thirty seven percent support on taxes, thirty seven. Imagine when they go in there and they go up for everybody, for most people. Uh, the approval on foreign policy, thirty four percent. How's it even that high? Immigration, this is stunning, Bill. 25% agree with his immigration policies. 23% agree with his border, you had, uh, this U.S.-Mexico mm-hmm. border issues. Leadership skills, 41% like it. Uh, honesty, 44% say he's honest. Not good. Can I tell you what I was looking at in that poll? Go ahead. Independent voters. Yes. Uh, they, they really decide our elections in America today. And in 2010, when the Republicans won 63 House seats coming off Obamacare, they won independence by 19 points. All right. When Democrats won back the House in 2018, they won independence by 12 points. You know what Joe Biden won independence by over Donald Trump? How many? 13. Wow. So it's right in the same ballpark. They decide elections. In that poll, Brian, among independent white voters who have a four-year college degree, and now these, these are people who, what, they largely live in suburbs and they vote. Right. And many of them turned their back on Trump in 2020 and to a lesser degree in 2016. Especially women. Among these people, he's at 60 percent disapproval. <laughs> that reflects exactly what the overall poll says. Stand by. On the economy, disapproval, 61 percent. Commander in chief of the U.S. military, same group of people. 65% disapprove. I think a lot of that is Kabul and Afghanistan. Is Joe Biden honest or not? 57% say no. How do you get out of that? Uh, would you say Joe Biden has good leadership skills? 63% say no. Um, is this administration competent? 62% say no. Right. I think those are brutal numbers. I have an idea for how you turn it around. But um, that's um, I think it's very tough news for the White House. And I, if you're Ron Klain, you got to hope for one thing, Brian, that you get something like infrastructure passed. That would give you a chance to get a heartbeat back in those numbers. And what brings me back to what Senator Coons and what Harold Ford have said to Democrats who tend to be uh, more middle than left. Go for the why don't you go get the win, get the one point two trillion dollar win. Can honestly turn around and say, I told you I'm going to bring people together. I brought 19 Republicans. He probably had if he said it alone. He probably had minimum 25, maybe 50 Republicans in the House. 
But what he would have lost is Democrats, mm-hmm. but it would have been made up for, I think, on a bipartisan level. He probably would have passed it, but at least he would have went down as the moderate he ran on. Okay. All right. Interesting point. What I would suggest is that the Progressive Caucus has 96 members, I think, just about 100, no more than that. It, if you had 96 progressive members vote against it, I don't know if you would make up the difference with the Republicans. Well, I would love to see... Maybe you twist arms and got half the progressives to vote for it, then I think you've got a fighting chance. So here's what, uh, here's the, uh, the breakdown from Amy Walter last night, cut 11. When the president ran as candidate, his message was, I'm going to bring uh, sort of normal back. Life is going to feel normal in whatever way you thought normal meant. And I think for so many people, certainly voters that I talk to, they're still waiting for normal to come. And whether that's on the economy, whether that's the end of COVID, whether that's the end of the sort of divisive, dysfunctional politics, they haven't seen it. She insists on doing that interview underwater. And I, re- <laughs> I really regret saying yes. It's like COVID cable. Yeah. I think she hits the nail on the head. I, I, I Where's think, normal? Um, I, I think about you know, the, the, the lasting images that we carry with us about whether or not the administration is functioning or not. It goes back to the poll about whether or not you think the administration is competent. I think about things like, you know, that C-17 rolling down a runway, down a tarmac in Kabul, Afghanistan, and 20-year-old boys bouncing off the side of it. No, no movie director would ever imagine that scene. Yeah. And he's so – by okay. the way, it doesn't get played much in other stations. Isn't that astounding? Well, um, it was a shock for all of us to watch it. That's one image. Think about the border for the past eight months. Worse. It's a mess. Thanks to but, our drone team. Yeah, and I, I, we're covering it. I, I see a little bit of coverage on the broadcast networks. I don't see a lot on the other cable news outlets, a little bit here and there, but predominantly it's us that's reporting this. And the other image, I think, honestly, is you have 55 cargo ships sitting off the port of Los Angeles in Long Beach, California. Yeah. It's never happened before. Ever. Never. And they've so, all dropped anchor because there's no labor to offload the uh, uh, the, the uh, containers on, on board. And, and no and, truck drivers to take it. And people look at that and they ask themselves, what is working? And that's what Amy Walter's talking about. So a couple of things. So what he said is, I'm going to keep going back to COVID because that's where I get my highest marks. It was at 58%. Now that's underwater too. Why? This whole mandate's a huge risk for him. And I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure after listening to those generals speak, he doesn't listen to anybody. I'm really wondering who he listens to because he just keeps harping in an angry fashion, get vaccinated, how dare you. What about that empathetic guy that might have somebody that feels as though uh, I got a Ph.D. and I'm not comfortable with it. I'm a working class guy. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm African-American. We're only four of ten have gotten vaccinated. I'm not comfortable with it. Instead of ridiculing and firing them, he gets madder at them. Here's what he here's what he keeps saying yesterday, where he travels around to the Midwest and pretends like this new policy is now in place. Here's uh, here's what he said. Cut 17. Second thing I'd like to say, today's report shows that vaccination requirements are good for the economy. Not only increase in vaccination rates, but to help send people back to work. 
except for the 4% of mm-hmm. medical workers in New York, except for the thousands of teachers that were told get vaccinated, go back, and they didn't. And now we're going to go after the, those horrible hospice workers because they got two weeks to get vaccinated. So instead of saying go see your doctor, get secure, answer the questions, because I'm sure the, med- the doctors will let you know if there's a problem. And I haven't seen doctors. I haven't seen a doctor tell me I, uh, to run away from the vaccine yet. Uh, I, I, but don't get it from your president. Yeah, I get you. I, I understand the point you're making there. I go back and forth on the mandates of whether or not they should be required for you to be able to work. But I don't think you should lose your job because of it. There should be other conditions that come involved that, that you can negotiate with your employer. Testing. Okay, testing. That, that's one idea. Um, you could work from home. A lot of people have over the past year and a half. Uh, the COVID trend, however, is moving in the right direction. For the first time yesterday, new cases are at their lowest level in Ooh, two wait months. Wait a second. That, that's Why really does good. everyone say that? That's well, crazy. I, okay, I mean, new cases are at their lowest level in two months. That's really good. Down 50% in Florida. Okay, I'm uh, good point. Uh, another example. Uh, wh- where was that clip from? Was that from Illinois or was that from yesterday uh, from Illinois? Because I I thought the event I think it was on Tuesday in Howe, Michigan. I did you watch it? Uh, I watched. Yeah. Uh, we can't see the audience. I think it was like a hundred people there. I no, I don't think it was a hundred, Brian. You think it, was 100? I, it sounded like ten or twelve, and right. they didn't show them. And I, I asked the um, one of our producers, I said, were there any cutaways of the crowd or anything like that? And they, they were not able to find any. Maybe there were, but I don't know. But he stood in a, he, he went to Michigan and stood in a dirt patch with a caterpillar behind him and, and spoke. And there, there was just no energy. The point? There's no enthusiasm. There was no, hey, man, let's rally around the cause. But you know what he All got? All of that was missing. Do you know what he got when he was driving there? A lot of protesters, no Joe, uh, blank Joe, mm-hmm. uh, blank Biden, and. Uh, something about Sleepy Joe. Listen, but, when we come back, we see if Bill Hammer sticks around. I'm hoping he is. Bill, don't give it away. Back in Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The, it's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Fast as three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we got uh, three minutes, Bill. Uh, Bill yeah, Hammer. Go. Do, uh, do you still do more to know or what? Uh, do, we were going to do, 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 do it. Do you do, 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 do that? Yeah, I do. Because do. I, I've evidence. You have one a, for more to know? I have evidence from a previous guest here. It says it? Martha McCallum. She has a name on her own pen. She's got her own pen with her name on it. Now, how do you feel about that? Because I know you guys had I'm a little okay bit of a rivalry. I've got a pen that says the pig and whistle. And I, think, <laughs> I think she might like mine more. Both are appropriate. <laughs> I think that's fine. Uh, so, Bill, you didn't answer me this. What? You said, okay, you didn't, you didn't drink for and Lent and you changed habits and all that stuff. Did you? Are you comfortable going back to bars and restaurants? Absolutely. I was comfortable. A thousand percent. Yeah. So no do you, problem. Do you notice people having a problem? Um... Not necessarily. If they're okay. there, no. Uh-uh. Why right. do you? Never. I, I mean, I didn't have a problem the day the pandemic hit. Yeah, I mean, do you have a problem showing Gyms? your vaccination card or anything like that? I don't. No. Uh, I don't. Um, but uh, the other night, I, went, I took out the, the 7 p.m. crew afterwards on Thursday, right? Uh-huh. Go to Del Frisco's right across the street. Two guys on the outside, two big guys. And I'm like, what's going on? And they go, vaccination card. Okay. One of my guys did not have it. So we're kind of an impasse. He feels terrible. Uh, and we just sit there, and then he go, oh, you know, we can put you outside. They put us in the tent on the outside. Okay, nice. But 
They say that in the city, they're out walking in, cracking down. So think about the pressure on these restaurants oh, and the yeah. hostesses already. Fair point. And then can you imagine yeah. going up to the Bill Hammond party of four? Uh-huh. And they go, excuse me, how you doing? I'm, I'm with the Department of Inspections Department with New York. Uh, can you show me a vaccination card? I want to make sure the hostess did it. Like, excuse me, mm-hmm. can I just have my steak? Can you leave me alone? I got, they got to pay taxes. Do you follow me? Yeah. The ripple effect of the attitude with this. I know. I, I, I'm just happy to see the restaurants open and doing business because for so long they didn't. Close to nothing. And now they can't get people. Um, more so than before, I think. That, that It's kind of changing. You think so? Yeah, I do. I see it all the time. I think especially in the last two weeks. Once we got over the hump of Labor Day and, the, and on nice little sunny days in this city, it kind of feels like the days of old. I want you to hear, uh, just going to finish off on how this whole yep. thing started. Here's Josh Rogan with Megan Kelly on our podcast, Cut 28. What Radcliffe said that was really important in that clip was that he can't talk about the intelligence that we have. And, you know, the Biden administration could snap his fingers right now and release a bunch of information that would help us understand what's going on and how we got into this mess. And they don't want to do that. It seems like they don't want to do that because they don't want the the issue, the problem of dealing with it politically and diplomatically. They don't want to throw progressives under the oh bus. They don't want to complicate U.S.-China relations. And they're doing that at the cost of our national security and our public health. So, so not only are we turning away from the concentration camps with Muslims and the slave labor and the material— we have turned away from even bringing up the origins mm-hmm. of this virus. And a guy from the Washington Post who wrote a great book on it, it is flabbergasted. Is Bill, is Bill Hammer? Um, I, I'm not surprised. I guess I'm more surprised that they won't address that, but they'll put U.S. Marines in Taiwan for a year. <laughs> um, and they'll and sell everybody know nuclear submarines to Australia, which you know is chafe in Beijing. 9 to 11, watch Bill Hammer. With Perino. Uh, at a.m. to 11 p.m. You got it. With Dana Perino. Thank you, bro. The t- From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The kind of action that we're seeing from Attorney General Garland, it makes our country look more and more like we're moving to a police state rather than being the land of the free. And so now is not the time to allow them to intimidate us into silence. Now is the time that we, the American people, really must take this stand for each other, for our civil liberties, for our freedoms, because unfortunately those who are in power, those who are supposed to be leading our country, rather than upholding our civil liberties and freedoms, these kinds of actions are violating and infringing upon them. Tulsi Gabbard famously, I have no idea why she's a a Democrat, but she was weighing in last night on the DOJ's decision to get the FBI perhaps involved to really crack down on those suburban moms and husbands who are upset about the curriculum their kids are subjected to by school boards. With me right now is Jesse Waters. He sides with uh, Merrick Garland. I do. And that's why we booked you. It's because you see, you see, yes, you remind yes. me of a young Merrick Garland. I'm pro FBI task force. I right. think we should just get into these PTA meetings right now. Record What's them. So long? Take down some soccer moms. Right. Before the bake sale. Where's that money going? That's right. And maybe entrap them into saying something <laughs> like a domestic terrorist would. But, you know, do you see us? And you, I don't want to lead the witness. But the <laughs> two weeks after the lieutenant colonel goes to jail for speaking out against the horrific, embarrassing, pathetic 
exit from Afghanistan. He goes to jail and into solitary confinement. The next week, what's their other problem? Afghanistan, the other problem is these school boards and the curriculums and the, and the CRT. And next thing you know, let's go crack down on them using the legal system. I see a crackdown of so people I. that saw the polls before we saw the Q poll. And if they can't debate you, they will destroy you. It's a lazy tactic. It's blunt force. And they use it everywhere. They use it with Donald Trump and got away with it. They've raided every lawyer Donald Trump's ever had. They've secretly recorded his campaign. They've locked people in jail. They've created racial Indicted hoaxes. Indicted CFO. Sexual hoaxes. So it's really prosecutors conspiring with politicians and the press to just commit political warfare on any opposition to the liberal agenda. So if you object to, you know, little Nancy changing in a locker room with a guy, that's not their problem. That's your problem. If you object to your son being called a racist because he's white, no, 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 that makes you a domestic terrorist. If they want to suffocate your six-year-old with a mask six hours a day, five days a week, that's not their problem. That's your problem. Well, uh but I also think, and I had Andy McCarthy on, so I don't want, I don't want you to trust my legal advice. And I said, Andy, he's t- explained to me how the FBI can't do this. Is it out of their jurisdiction? But right. if the FBI knocks on Jesse Waters' door and says, I don't like the tone. One of, a, a school board member was felt threatened by your tone. And you banged the lectern and saying, going to bat for your twins, you didn't like what they were bringing home. They could say, we feel as though they feel as though they were right. threatened. We need to speak to you. They said, guess what, Jesse? You got to go get a lawyer. And now you got to get more time away from work to be debriefed and to get ready. They have no case, but your life is turned upside down. Guess what? Your kids are upset that you went up there and made a scene, and now they feel self-conscious in school. And the teachers might be mad at your daughters, too. Next thing you know, they got to get pulled out. So everybody around the country is saying, I don't know if it's worth it. They say the process is the punishment, and it's just the threat of an indictment, the threat of the investigation because it's so torturous and expensive that it's going to chill speech, and that's what they're doing. They're extorting people's silence by threatening federal prosecutors to knock on their door. Um, I didn't give you the proper introduction. Still available <laughs> is How I Saved the World, the true Jesse Waters story, right? <laughs> it is. It's still available, and it is mostly true. Have you sold the movie rights? No. Um, is anybody asking? No. <laughs> did, did you, t- you no want to check your voicemail? No one's asked me <laughs> for the movie rights, right. but I will sell. Right, I will you, sell. You will sell. I don't, yeah, let's come at me. I will sell. Right, just don't you want to see the script first? I did. No, I'll write the script. <laughs> <laughs> All right, show you me the sure. money. I can't wait to see how it ends. I think it's going to be another McGlory. Um, a couple of things. Yes. The uh, thing I like to bring up to you in particular was your the 25 years at Fox. I was just talking to Bill Hemmer in the break, and he just thought this was one of the best days for Fox in a long time. Do you believe that too? I mean, do you sense? That the 25 years, this ne- this network's in a good place right now? I do. Uh, I came here in 2003. So that was the wartime. That was Iraq. And then we had Katrina. And then we had the financial crisis. And then the craziness with Barack Obama that whole time. Trump comes along and we had some scandals here that year. And it was very divisive. And then you remember how Arizona turned out, uh, that call. So there was a lot of... I wouldn't say shooting inside the tent, but there was a lot of people at the company that felt like not the way it used to be. Let's just put it that way. And now that's passed. Right. And I don't feel that way anymore. I think you don't feel that way anymore. And it's nice to look back after 25 years and think, 
You know, we made it and we did it right. together. The only thing I'm upset about is when you said you were in the tape room labeling tapes. Yeah. No pictures. I mean, I would have loved to have seen a picture of Jesse. Yeah, I yeah, I, I did not look as good as I did now. Um, I think I might have been not as well dressed. Right. Maybe a bad haircut, probably overweight. And there do I think pictures do exist, and we're going to air one of them on Waters World this oh, is that weekend true? at the end of the show. So a couple of things. I don't remember if we talked about this on air or off air because I never remember what I am doing. But you <laughs> talked about – when you pitch your first story with Bill, yes. and he told you interns yes. don't. Yes, he said interns don't pitch. And my producer said, Bill, this is just you just hired him as your producer. <laughs> <laughs> he had no clue who I was. Right. And did you? And you, I bombed. And then they brought me upstairs afterwards and said, Jesse, Bill doesn't think you're articulate enough to be in TV. You have two weeks to turn it around or you're fired. What? And I almost got fired. But you weren't even on TV. You no, were behind the I scenes. I was just in TV. Right. But I just wasn't articulate enough. Well, other people have said that. I mean, it's, <laughs> they, still it's about, that. they still say that. So I'm going to go back to DOJ and CRT yep. for a second. I want you to hear what Stephen Miller said about what's happening right now, because everyone's got to be concerned. Cut 39. I'm very fortunate that I'm able to have this platform and have this forum. What I'm worried about are the millions of Americans who face the real threat of job loss, personal destruction, financial harm, deplatforming because of their points of view. And in particular, you see this now with the Department of Justice coming after Americans, objecting to critical race theory, concerned parents. You see it increasingly with people that express divergent viewpoints on the coronavirus. We're living in an environment of what I like to call left-wing fascism, in which if you express a contrary point of view, like you stand up for biological sex, you stand up for racial equality, they're going to come at you with everything that they have. And ultimately, if we give in to that, even a little bit, we are just feeding the fire, and it gets bigger and more fearsome every single time they claim a victim. Right. I mean, you got to be backed up. you got to be in a place like this, really. And you still got to right. watch everything. So this isn't just cancel culture where they take away your Facebook page. This is severe financial and reputational harm. And most average Americans can't sustain that type of onslaught. So it's not just this. The IRS is now looking into bank accounts. Can you imagine if this passes the 3.5 with right. the $75 billion for the IRS they're to— look at, They're chasing people into bathrooms. They're threatening people with violence. They're threatening people with federal indictments. It really is— they got away with it with Trump, and they saw how effective that was, locking up all of his associates and destroying his reputation. They leaked his tax returns. They saw how effective that was, nuking him off Twitter, fake news. And now they're turning all of those tactics on average American citizens just because they stand up to this left-wing agenda. And I agree with Stephen Miller. They ha we have to stand up to this or else, you know, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. But you know what I'm encouraged about? Despite a compliant media where Joe Biden doesn't even get ripped on SNL. Do you know, he I don't even know who that guy was imitating on SNL. Just I didn't like guy see with that. Gray hair. I don't think anybody else saw SNL. So either. evidently he was a thumbs up. And I thought this, he goes, best SNL ever. Now, Jason Sudeikis actually, when it looked like Joe Biden was losing, made him look like the bumbling old man that he is. Yeah. And he was fantastic. This guy made him look like just a guy, a 40-ish guy with gray hair. Yeah. So, 
So, but look at the job approval, 38%. Right. I mean, this is without a Russian hoax. It's the, yes. the antithesis of a Russian hoax. The uh, Biden's approval on top issues, the economy, 39%, military, 37 taxes, 37 foreign policy, 34%. And it gets worse. Don't you feel as though the American public is ignoring a lot of this stuff? Yeah, they are. And imagine how bad the polls really are. These are D7 samples. Right. And Quinnipiac... Probably the most erroneous poll in 2020 averaged a seven point oversample of Democrats. So imagine this is probably he's in the 20s for the approval, if that's actually true. Bill, Bill Hammer must have a big staff because he came in here with independent numbers on this, and they're basically the same as the overall numbers. So the independents have checked out. Right. So independents have checked out. Republicans have run for the hills from the very beginning. And the only thing that was keeping him afloat was COVID. And now he's underwater with COVID. And that's why he's slapping more of these mandates on. You saw him yesterday trying to get a few words together out in Michigan. But it's not good, and now it looks like the economy has stalled. The comeback is really not the comeback that it was supposed to be. You add inflation to that mix, that he's just going to have to spend his way out of this thing because the borders are with mess. our money. Afghanistan, well, yeah, I, I just I don't see him recovering. It's very hard to rebound after you're in the 30s. Waters World will have. We have Newt Gingrich, we have Victor Davis Hanson, we have a witness who said they saw on the Appalachian Trail Brian Laundry. And we have some sound we're going to play from the Netflix special of Dave Chappelle. And we have our friend Raymond Arroyo, who's very upset about this little Truman Show situation they have in the White House. They're putting on like a fake Oval Office for Joe Biden. So watch. And I will show you a picture of myself at 24 years old. In the tape room. In the newsroom. Wow. Newsroom or tape room? You'll have to find out. Back in a moment. A radio show of the people, for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, welcome back, everyone. Jesse Waters, all pumped up for Waters World. Uh, He also has his book out, How I Saved the World. And you could uh, see Jesse, what he looked like in 1998. When did you get hired? 2002. 2002. All right, Jesse, you ask me if there's more to know. No, actually, it was Bill Hammer that asked. And I said I was saving it for Jesse. Do you want to know if then you need to know more? Please. You want to do this in tandem? Let's do it. All right, go. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. All right, I'll start because it's my show. Nat Geo has doing a documentary on Anthony Fauci. The word is... It's all such a kiss, uh, kiss up. It is worthless. So even if you love Anthony Fauci, this is not the way a documentary should be. They brought up nothing reportedly, Jesse, on any of the controversy that surrounds him, how wrong he's been. Why would you do a documentary and not try to do a documentary? Because Disney produced it. He's now too big to fail. They've invested in this guy. And every profit that they've made is because Fauci locked everybody down and covered up for China. Okay. That, that was a good answer. I know. I mean, that was good. <laughs> Go. Costco, other retailers impacted by fewer Christmas trees this year because of drought and supply chain So we're not going to have Christmas trees. No Christmas trees. Fake Christmas trees, perhaps. You would not. I go. I'm real. You, yeah, you are very pro Christmas. Uh, yeah, well, I'm pro Christmas. We used to get the roots. We used to get a, a ball at the bottom and plant the trees after. 
That was a tradition to kill me. Is that like an environmentally friendly move? We just thought it would be a nice thing to do and be able to look back in your backyard and see years of Christmas. Well, then how would you put it in the little encasement in your living room? You buy it that way. Uh, And and it'll be the mountain. And that's where you put the skiers, (laughs) right? Like the fake skiers in the bottom. You have fake skiers in the bottom? Like, no, I'd love to see your tree. You need to bring in a photo of your Christmas I tree. I will do that. Have you have you just stopped? You're supposed to keep this moving. You just you put your st- All right, my turn. Twitter <laughs> is testing uh, testing prompts to warn users if a conversation they're about to have might get heated or intense. We already got those things underneath when you click on it. It says, just so you know, if you click on it, it could get ugly. There's already a stripe like that there. Do we need this? No one needs this. Everybody knows when you get on Twitter, it could get ugly real fast. Right. And I don't even tweet because you I don't. have an assistant that tweets on my behalf. Does it, is it what you believe? I mean, do it's, they... it's just what I've said on television. So I figured if I've said it on television <laughs> and haven't been fired, it's okay to tweet. Right. You could always get reprimanded or suspended. There is, there is a series of things that could happen. You have to read now. Okay. The Empire State Building will be illuminated in red, white, and blue on Saturday to celebrate Fox News' 25th anniversary. Now, I saw Brian Stelter or someone in CNN say that they were upset that the Empire State Building would actually do that on behalf of Fox News. Why would they be upset? Why can't they be in (laughs) awe of a network that had this type of success, number one in everything? Gutfeld made a very good point yesterday. He he often doesn't, but this actually point was good. He said that why would CNN celebrate the company that destroyed them? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Next. Yes. See, this you're going to love this. What? And you better do this for one more thing. Okay. Seasoned New York mob bosses are reluctant to make made men out of millennials. They worry they lack the street smarts and ruthlessness of their predecessors or are too obsessed with their cell phones. So we're even having trouble hiring mobsters now. It seems that the five families fear handing over the reins to this new generation of mafioso because they're softer and dumber, having grown up in the suburbs rather than the city streets, and are too attached to technology. Yeah. And they point out that last month, alleged combo uh, consigliere Ralph DiMatteo, uh, Sixty-six years old was forced to hand himself over to federal racketeering to the feds because his son tweeted a photo of him relaxing in front of the pool. <laughs> his son, yes. Oh, his way son. to go, buddy. So, yeah, what are they going to text some guy? Hey, uh, meet me at noon for the drop, or else you're you're, you're dead. dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. you don't put that in writing, buddy. When the mobsters, when the mob can't <laughs> hire, you know we're getting too soft as a nation. Millennials. Would you at least look that as a contender for one more thing? Um, I'll consider it. All right. Next, you. Elon Musk announces Tesla moving its headquarters from California to Texas. <laughs> it's a Palo Alto, California company. And because of California's crazy high taxes and regulations, they've been threatening this for a very long time. Now, they're out. It's our intention to increase output from Fremont and Giga Nevada by 50%. The factory's jammed. We got to go and leave the Bay Area. Do you think he's conservative, Elon Musk? I, I think mean, he's, he's crazy. crazy. And? And genius. And some of that might be conservative. That's but good. I also think the guy's got a smart sense for finance. Absolutely. Let me just bring this up, Jesse. Why is he going to Austin? Have you been to Austin? I have. They mirror the homeless problem that San Francisco has. Nose rings, purple hair, <laughs> liberal, walking well, around. Well, those employees at Tesla like that kind of vibe on 6th Street, but they just have to try not to get shot. <laughs> 
Right. The <laughs> shootings are up about 100%. Yeah, we should say that everyone is armed, which <laughs> yeah. is good. It's yeah. like a mutual assured destruction. Right. Cleveland will continue to sell India merchandise despite and have the proceeds go to charity despite changing their name. What is their new name? The Guardians. So they'll still be able to buy Indian gear. I wish someone would ask the American Indian. Are you happy losing this? Because I think on some degree, they like the Apache, Comanche, Redskins. It's, it's honoring, it's honoring so. their warrior skills. And they put up a great fight. I mean, it wasn't easy. It took, what, 100 years right. to take the continent? I mean, and they, these were real, real horrific battles. You know better than anybody. They came in second. They came in second, <laughs> right? What's wrong with that? You know, it's not their fault. They I put have up never a great heard fight. someone rationalize that so well. That is fantastic. Great warrior people. They should be proud. Jesse, you should be proud of Waters World and the Five, which, according to reports, you are solely responsible for the Five success. <laughs> Actually, you whispered that. I to wrote me. that report. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.